Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm the preacher, Dave Magera. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And we have a wonderful guest this week, uh, someone who's been with us before, and we're really privileged to have him back, a distinguished scholar in North American history at McGill University, currently living in Jerusalem. Gil Troy is an award-winning American presidential historian and a leading Zionist activist. He has also taught at Harvard University and served as a visiting scholar at the Brookings Institution. In the foreword to Troy's latest book, The Zionist Ideas, Visions for the Jewish Homeland, Then, Now, Tomorrow, Natan Sharansky writes, quote, This magnificent work is the perfect follow-up to Arthur Hertzberg's classic, The Zionist Idea. Combining, like Hertzberg, a scholar's eye and an activist's ear, Gil Troy demonstrates that we now live in a world of Zionist ideas with many different ways to help Israel flourish as a democratic Jewish state. Recently designated as an Algemeiner J100, one of the top 100 people positively influencing Jewish life, Troy wrote The Age of Clinton, America in the 1990s, and 10 other books on the American presidency. One leading historian called Age of Clinton, quote, the best book on the man and his times. Troy edited and updated another classic, The Multi-Volume History of American Presidential Campaigns, originally edited by Arthur Schlesinger Jr. and Fred Israel. He is now writing new essays on the 2012 and 2016 elections. Troy's book, Moynihan's Moment, America's Fight Against Zionism as Racism, describes the fall of the UN, the rise of Reagan, and the spread of anti-Zionism. Jewish Ideas Daily designated it one of 2012's best books. He appeared as a featured commentator on CNN's popular multi-part documentaries, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. He has been interviewed on most major North American TV and radio networks. Troy has published essays in the American, Canadian, and Israeli media, including writing essays for the New York Times campaign stops in 2012 and 2016. He wrote a weekly column for the Daily Beast called Secret Lives, putting current events in historical perspective, and writes a weekly column for the Jerusalem Post. Welcome, Gil. Great to be with you. I'm actually a teacher who sometimes wishes he was a preacher, so it's a pleasure to be with you again. <laughs> so, so, so you get both on this I show. I love it. Good to have you with us. So given your august qualifications, uh, we have chosen you, of all things, this week to discuss ice cream. But of course, as we know, it's, it's so much more than ice cream. So I'll just say briefly for our listeners who, who may not have seen, uh, although you probably have, Ben and Jerry's, which is, you know, has had an image for years of being kind of left-wing, peace, love, apple pie, all of that, recently said, hey, we're pulling out of selling ice cream over the green line that what they call the occupied Palestinian territories. We think this is a big human rights violation. And uh, as soon as we can pull out of our license agreement with our Israeli licensee, 
we are going to stop selling ice cream. So on the one hand, it's just ice cream. What's the big deal? But it's become a very big deal. So I guess starting off the bat, uh, and I realize this is a very general question, but what makes this such a big deal? Or, or is it? I think part of the reason why it's such a big deal is because of the timing. Since May, when, let's point out, it was Hamas, partially motivated by a power struggle it was having with the Palestinian Authority, started bombarding Israel with rockets. The bombardment against Israel ideologically in the press, in the U.S., uh, sometimes often within the American Jewish community as well, has been relentless. And uh, Israel was guilty of acting in self-defense. Was Israel perfect? No country's ever, ever perfect. But given that Israel had withdrawn from Gaza in 2005 seeking peace, and the response has been round after round after round, thousands, tens of thousands of rockets, most Israelis feel like Israel was justified in defending itself. And Ben and Jerry's comes along and joins the pile-on. And I think the two most outrageous things about this uh, boycott are, one, it really feels like selective prosecution because Ben & Jerry's has not boycotted, boycotted anywhere else. And to single out the Palestinian-Israeli conflict as the one area where there's such clarity and Israel is so evil that you need to boycott and need not even allow uh, ice cream to be sold because the ice cream isn't even produced in the West Bank. It's produced elsewhere, but sold in the West Bank uh, seems to be quite egregious and outrageous. And the second thing is that when Ben and Jerry's tried to defend this position, the real Ben and the real Jerry, in the New York Times, and they claimed that they were doing this for peace, it really made a mockery of the term peace. Because we saw almost a year ago when the Abraham Accords were signed, and all of a sudden there were these amazing contacts, cultural contacts, tourist contact, contacts, business contacts, as well as diplomatic and political contacts between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, Israel and Bahrain, Israel now and Morocco. We saw how peace really works, built from the bottom up. And when you boycott Israel, no matter what part of the boycott movement you are part of, and they'll say, oh, we're just, we're not, we're part of the smaller boycott, not the larger boycott. When you boycott Israel in any way, you're joining a broader Palestinian strategy that's called anti-normalization. That rather than trying to build peace step by step, contact by contact, benign interaction by benign interaction, says, no, Israel is so evil that we're going to cut off all ties. And they think this is going to help them. Well, since the boycott movement started, Israel's economy has multiplied and grown and grown. And the Palestinians are the ones who continue to suffer. So A, it's, it's self-destructive, but B, it's nowhere anything close to peace. And so Ben and Jerry's came across, frankly, in my eyes, as, as being anti-peace and also not really thinking through the implications and the meaning of their actions. You know, one of the things that goes on in the minds of people is how is it that Ben and Jerry, both Jews who established this ice cream business, could be themselves what's kind of viewed as anti-Israel? And, and I think that there's an unfair perspective that is placed upon the Jewish people where they're all lumped into one category that automatically assumes that just because you're Jewish, you're 100% pro-Israel. And we, we find that, that that's not accurate when it comes to people like Bernie Sanders and various others. But I, I think that that may be a piece here that's a bit of a conundrum for some people who have no idea about who, who Ben is and who, who Jerry is and how they ended up 
actually selling their their company to Unilever and, and some of these other ingredients that that make it a, a bit more confusing than what it really is because the bottom line is that it's it's the boycott it's not just that this is has a mixture of of Jewish feel to it but uh, but it's 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 the boycott that's really the big issue here but Needless to say, the, the person of Ben and Jerry do do come into play here. Maybe it'd be good if you could give our listeners just a little bit of clarity on that. So there are a number of different directions to take this. And first of all, yes, I think part of the reason why this story has gotten so much traction is a it's about ice cream. It's a very popular about a very popular brand of ice cream, which my family in particular uh, quite likes. And also because, yeah, people are trying to say, how could it be that Ben and Jerry's, um, who are obviously and, and, and well-known as, as being Jews, could turn on Israel, which is the Jewish state? So first of all, we should a- emphasize that the board chair of Ben and Jerry's, um, Anor Daha Mital, is not Jewish. And she has a very long record of uh, being anti-Israel. But let's zero in really on the heart of your question, which is indeed... Jews are a broad-based democratic community, lowercase d, although also in America uh, disproportionately democratic, um, spread out all over, you know, many different countries with many different ideologies. And what we've seen in the last few decades, especially as Israel became unpopular um, among progressives and among uh, certain PC politically correct types, that a, we've seen some Jews, and I'm not accusing Ben and Jerry's of any of these yet, um, we could, we've seen some Jews who are actually downright anti-Semitic, filled with hatred against Israel and also against their own people. We've seen some Jews who say they're what, we, what uh, could be called as-a-Jew Jews, which is, they have nothing to do with being Jewish, but they say, as a Jew, I'm embarrassed or upset about the state of Israel. There are some people who've decided, like uh, an Israeli jazz singer, uh, Gilad Atzmon, he says, I'm an ex-Israeli, I'm an ex-Jew. And there's some, obviously, uh, Jews who say, I, I, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. Natan Sharansky, the great Soviet Jewish Refusenik, and I wrote an article recently in which we talked about un-Jews. What are un-Jews? Un-Jews are people from within the Jewish community. And we're seeing some, not all, Jewish studies professors, a few rabbis and rabbinic students, and you could even maybe include Ben and Jerry's in this, who are from within the Jewish community saying, as a Jew, as a proud Jew, I am undoing, I'm trying to undo the connection that's been built up, especially since the Holocaust, and especially since the founding of the state of Israel, between Jewish peoplehood, Jewish statehood, and Jewish identity. And they're trying to unspool that complicated, overlapping relationship, which starts with the fact that Judaism is a religion, but Jews are a people. And that makes Jews and Judaism different than Christians, not better or not worse, but Christianity is a religion. Judaism is what I call this Oreo cookie, a mix of cookie part and cream part, a mix of nation and religion. I'm talking about Ben and Jerry's, so they actually have uh, excellent ice cream with Oreo cookies in it. Um, and so, uh, and what they're really trying to do is undo that. And just like you can't undo an Oreo cookie and keep it as an Oreo cookie, Natan and I were arguing that these un-Jews are trying to undo this fundamental connection between peoplehood and religion, between statehood now and solidarity and Jewish identity, that that really gets to the core of modern Jewish identity. And we tried to call them out and say, you have freedom of speech. We're not canceling you, but we are criticizing you. And by calling you un-Jews, we're also saying is there's a wide range of room and for opinions in the, in the American Jewish community, in the Israeli Jewish community, in the British Jewish community to criticize Israel. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about criticizing Israel. We're not even talking about criticizing the occupation. We're talking about going so far that you say, oh, 
Israel is so outrageous that that's the one country I'm going to boycott. That's the one action I'm going to say is so unacceptable to me that I can, you know, I can tolerate the Chinese, I can tolerate the Syrians, I can tolerate the Russians, but the Israelis, oh, them I have to boycott. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. that actually brings me back to something you said earlier about the Israeli economy has grown the pal- with since the boycott movement. Palestinians have not. In all of this, there's something that seems incredibly, at least to me, very disingenuous about it. In other words, that it's not, this isn't really about the Palestinians at all. It's not really about human rights at all. It's about, for certain Jews or un-Jews, their own uh, conflicted identity. And for certain non-Jews, you know, uh, possibly anti-Semitism. Because I look at this, and if... Uh, if Ben and Jerry's is not sold in the West Bank, that actually means that there's a popular um, supermarket chain in Israel called Rami Levy. There's one near me. I live over the Green Line. And it means that I won't be able to get Ben and Jerry's there, but I can go into Jerusalem and get it. But my Palestinian neighbors actually cannot. Uh, so it actually will hurt Palestinians more than it will hurt me. Now, they may not care that much about whether they get Ben and Jerry's or not. But I think of a bigger example where SodaStream under pressure uh, Israeli company until it was bought by Pepsi, uh, pulled out of the West Bank and set up within the Green Line. And the BDS crowd cheered. But in fact, what they actually accomplished was hundreds of uh, Palestinians who worked at the SodaStream plant losing their jobs. So I think, you know, people say, hey, it's, you know, when you pull the anti-Semitism card, uh, that's a little too much. But I wonder if it isn't a little too much because it doesn't really seem to be about what it purports to be about. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and by the way, if this Ben and Jerry's boycott does go through, Palestinian jobs will also be lost because there are many Palestinians who worked for the Ben and Jerry's factory, which does happen to be, as you point out, within the Green Line. Um, and we should point out, by the way, that, that uh, Hamas um, has consistently targeted Jews within the Green Line. And Palestinian terrorists have consistently targeted Jews within the Green Line. So it's, it's this very artificial line that's convenient for people who want to pretend that this world is very simple when it's actually a very complex and multidimensional conflict. But the bigger issue you get to is, 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 is spot on, which is this. Again, why is it this obsession with Israel? And I hate to play the anti-Semitic card, but we know from the Middle Ages, we know from the Islamic world, that when you single out one group of people, when you single out one religion, when you keep on coming back to them as the cause of all the problems, and you know there's been this lie which the Arab Spring should have disproved, uh, that, oh, if only we could solve the Israel-Palestinian conflict, then there'd be peace in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, we saw with the Arab Spring that there are many, many more complications in the Middle East than the Israeli-Palestinian problem. And again, a year ago, the Abraham Accords, we saw that there are many Arabs who want to make peace with Israel. And there are Israelis who are thrilled. Most Israelis are thrilled to have those connections with the Arab world. So lies that Israelis are racist or bigoted or anti-Arab or apartheid are, are also disproven. So part of it is, yes, this disproportionate focus on Israel, the Jewish state, makes you wonder whether Israel is now the Jew of the world. That once upon a time was the individual Jews, it was the Jews in Morocco, it was the Jews in Egypt, it was the Jews in France, it was the Jews in in England, it was the Jews in Russia and Poland, and now it is the Jew in the United Nations, Israel. It is the Jew in the international community, Israel. But then we go to the United States of America, sorry if I could just make one more point. When we go to the United States of America and we see this happening on the left, and it becomes a form of virtue signaling, the great 
French philosopher Bernard-Henri Lévy made a point. He said, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when the Soviet Union collapsed, Marxism was no longer the glue that kept the left together. How do I prove that I'm a part of that club? How do I, how I prove that I'm part of this, um, th th this group of people who consider themselves superior to others? Ah, I bash Israel. I wear a keffiyeh. I, I obsess about this one conflict and I oversimplify it. And it hurts me as an academic to see so many of my fellow academics who could make anything complicated. They could write 30 different papers about the active eating ice cream in Ben and Jerry's, whether you do it at home, whether you do it in the Ben and Jerry's store, how much does it cost? How much is the overhead? What's the anthropology of it? What's the significance of all those names? And yet, when it comes to Israel, it's all simple. Really? When you treat Jews in a way that is inconsistent with the way you treat others, that's called bigotry. And when it's bigotry against Jews, that's called Jew hatred or anti-Semitism. So, Gil, do you think that this boycott has created some concern among Israeli leadership that other companies may follow suit? Uh, has there been that kind of um, conversation going on at all, or is this kind of just an isolated thing and it's not that big a deal? You know, as a historian, I, I always say that it's uh, hard enough to predict the, the past. I can't begin to predict the future. And, uh, you know, with, with, it's definitely played into an Israeli anxiety of, is this the, um, is this the one that's going to start the avalanche? But the reason why I say I'm not sure about the future is because we've also seen a very interesting backlash. We've seen pressure on the mother company, uh, the, the, the overhead corporate company, Unilever. We've seen discussions in various states which have anti-boycott laws. We've seen, uh, what was it, 27 different um, Ben & Jerry's franchisees across the United States saying, hey, wait a minute, this is going to hurt our business. So I think this is a question that we have to hold off three months, six months, nine months from now. We saw when Airbnb tried to boycott the West Bank, there was a pushback. And Airbnb ultimately didn't announce it, but they caved and they started giving service to those people and um, in, in, in parts across the Green Line who wanted to do Airbnb, who wanted to use Airbnb service. So I hope that the fears of some people that this is going to be the, 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 the start of, of a new wave uh, are incorrect. I hope that the fears that somehow really the fundamental conversation has shifted uh, is, is incorrect. And, you know, let's point out it's uh, we're now in the middle of August. Um, what happens when we get back on campus in September? Will the, the fury of May, the new obsession with Israel, lead a new generation of students to hate Israel, to fight Israel, uh, a new generation of Jewish students to, to cower? Or will there be new students who say, hey, wait a minute, this is insane, this is obsessive, this is too much, I don't want to be a part of this. And will there also be a group of Jewish students who say, hey, wait a minute, you can't bully me, I'm a proud American, I'm a proud Jew, I'm going to stand up for my rights. I know what outcome I seek. I w wouldn't dare to predict that it will happen or not happen. Wow. Interesting. You know, the anti-BDS legislation has passed in 33 states here in the, in the U.S., and this particular piece is one that is causing those states now to investigate any relationship, any connection they have with Unilever, who is the, as you mentioned, is kind of the mother of, um, of a grouping of products, one of which is Ben & Jerry's. But um, they're looking because the, the anti-BDS legislation basically says that 
any company, any corporation that is doing business with this particular state that has this legislation in in place, um, anything over $100,000 in contracts uh, will immediately be broken if, in fact, this company is boycotting Israel. So there's 33 states right now that are looking at this whole piece that was triggered by this decision with Ben and Jerry's, and it could end up costing Unilever some enormous, enormous uh, dollars with the loss of uh, business and contracts uh, among these 33 states. Texas alone is is huge in its um, its uh, involvement with uh, Unilever because it's a pretty pretty broad cross section of uh, goods that Unilever you know uh, is is the mother of, and so it, it's it's far more than just a ice cream company. It's 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 a whole lot bigger than that. Yeah, it's also a fascinating thing because the, there's a tension between Unilever and the Ben and Jerry's board. Uh, and apparently when Unilever bought Ben & Jerry's, there was a, an agreement that Ben & Jerry's would be able to continue to follow what they call their social justice policies. So th- this is, you know, when you think about that, when you think of shareholders um, who ultimately want the company to make money, when you think, as I mentioned earlier, of franchisees, uh, when you think of the poor franchisee in Israel, originally there was this move in Israel. Some people said, hey, let's boycott the guy. And then he said, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm the one who's, who's being victimized here. Uh, so we see, you know, this could, this could be um, a, a great... Uh, law school exam, uh, and it'll also launch thousands of lawsuits. But there's a bigger issue here. And I think this gets to some of the issues that are going on and with Black Lives Matter and the woke world. Should corporations be taking political stands like this? Should corporations be wading in, especially during this time when things have become so polarized, and there's such a gap between red and blue, Republican and Democrat, um, but why, sh- is, why do I want a corporation to start wading into those waters. I want an ice cream corporation or a consumer goods corporation to deal with ice cream, to deal with consumer goods. Um, And it's dangerous for Major League Baseball or for Unilever or for Ben & Jerry's to start making policy. And it's also often hypocritical. Because if you really want to talk about a bad actor in the world today, let's talk about China. And the fact that so many of these companies who might stand on their little soapbox and bash little Israel uh, and by the way, let's point out, and every death is, of course, a tragedy, but um, the number of deaths in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict are on the order of 30, 50, 70,000, depending on what, what, you, what, you, what, you, what you're counting. Um, but, you know, there are over a million people in concentration camps in China. Um, hundreds of thousands of people were killed in Syria. So the disproportion and the hypocrisy, and as I mentioned earlier, the selective prosecution is really worrisome. So I would urge corporations as a shareholder of some corporations and also simply as, a, as, as, a, as an American citizen and a patriot is leave it alone. Let the politicians do politics. Let others express their political views through other venues. But corporations should try to be as value neutral and as political ne- politically neutral as possible. Obviously, if there was like a Nazi situation, you'd say, okay, I don't think you should do business with Nazis. But all these situations in general tend to be so ambiguous. Why start down that road? And legally, I think these corporations, which have 
been formed in order to make money for their shareholders, especially when they're public corporations. If it's a private corporation, when it's just Ben and Jerry uh, in the back of a gas, gas station in Vermont, it was a different story. But when you are this major conglomerate, you're responsible to your shareholders. Why start messing with that? And why start adding more fuel to the ideological fires which have been burning too bright and too hard and too ugly in the United States of America? Isn't anybody trying to calm things down? So, Gil, Gil that actually brings up, I think, uh, <laughs> what to me is actually potentially a, a, a very worrisome issue, which is this, that you know, why do companies get involved in social causes? It's because they think, in general, they think that's what their customer base wants to hear. You know, hey, we recycle, we're good for the environment, you know, uh, we we support um, combating domestic violence, you know, all of those things that who, who could argue with? And then, you know, they think that, hey, then they look really good in their customers' eyes and who potentially, hopefully, will buy more of their product. So uh, what I've wondered about is, could it be that you know Ben and Jerry's for years has had a certain kind of reputation, let's just say a Bernie Sanders uh, type of reputation, same state, and you know the fact is, yeah, they're they're not talking about China, they're not talking about all these other places, they're talking about Israel. Could it be that? they're doing this precisely for the same reason that some other company may say, hey, we support the environment, that they think this is what our customers want to hear. And can you answer that question in such a timely manner <laughs> before we run out of sure. time? That is actually one of the scary things because it really does show that certainly on the left, bashing Israel, throwing Israel under the bus is clean, is easy, is is simple. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the kind of virtue signaling that... First of all, I find reprehensible uh, and, 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 and it's a form of moral cowardice because I don't want to deal with the complexity of China. So instead, I pick on little Israel, which is an easy target for me, uh, especially because it's become this tenet of the far left that somehow Israel is evil. The Palestinians, for all the terrorism that's generated from there, from all the underminings of peace that's generated in there, from all the negativity generated by the boycott, get a free pass. That's problematic. And that's why it's very important for us to kind of have a clear moral line. And when things are unclear, just skip the conversation uh, and, and let corporations be corporations. But also, mm. if we really want to build peace, let's build peace person to person, contact to contact, business to business, like we're doing between Israel and the uh, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain and Morocco. Wow. Hey, good job, Gil. We've been visiting this weekend uh, with Gil Troy and so appreciate his partnership with the teacher and the preacher and good, good insights, good information that really provokes our thought regarding, regarding this current boycott. Gil, thank you so much for your contribution today. Great speaking to you, and, great, and thank you for your leadership. So, for our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us this weekend. We encourage you to check out our website. Uh, Harold and I have an incredible opportunity awaiting for us, and we'd really like to hear from you as you would uh, consider our future. And that is an open door to actually uh, get on a station in New York. But that's pretty pricey. So if you think that we should do that, why don't you go to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, where you can donate, and that will send a clear message. You can also check out our archive programs, scope us out on our Facebook page, The Teacher and the Preacher. And until next week, may the God of Israel who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may God bless America. Amen. Amen. 
The teacher and the preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the teacher and the preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom.